welcome Mayor Borgmeyer to the local 636 podcast. How are you? Mayor Dan. Mayor Dan. Yeah, kind of like Forrest Gump and stuck. Yeah, you know, so. that's a really cool thing about this. It has stuck, and it's it's so approachable. It's a brand. Is that so? There you go. It's just like 636. It's there you a go. brand, yeah. It's like a brand. So yeah. did you know that going in that that was going to be a thing? Uh, I asked one of the ladies, and she said, what do you want us to call you? And I said, what did you call the previous? And they said, we called her mayor. And I said, well, that's kind of lame. She said, how about Mayor Dan? I said, jokingly, I said, sure. So now everybody calls me Mayor Dan. I got the Mayor Dan t-shirts and everything. It's, it has become a brand, and now I'm protective of it, too. Yeah. So. I mean, I really like it because it's it's it's, it's so approachable. Yeah, you're exactly Because what right. do you call, you know, I want to be respectful to elders and especially mm-hmm. someone who's an elected official. But. You see what the elder thing. Well, <laughs> is it not clear? Yeah. <laughs> and Borgmeyer's so hard to spell. Everybody can spell Mayor Dan, so it's pretty easy. So Mayor Dan, yeah, you've yeah. turned that into even the Q&A segments are... Hey, Mayor Dan. That's right. Yeah. And if someone says Mayor Dan, are you like responding to that now? If someone says uh, that on, on the street? On the city website, there's a little blue box that says, Hey, Mayor Dan. Those come directly to me. And I haven't had a receptionist or a secretary for three and a half, almost four years now. Okay. So they'll come to me. I answer them all every day. Now, if if you're walking down Main Street or wherever and someone says, Hey, Mayor Dan, are you turning around? Yeah. I'll talk to him. Okay. Yeah. But you're you're tuned in to, to know, hey, that's me. They're talking to me. Absolutely. Did that take a minute or was that... Um, I mean, I was, it is your name. I was so. in the marketing business for 50 years. I was pretty aware of what I was doing. Okay. And uh, and I just thought it would be an easy, A, approachable, mm-hmm. be easy for people to remember, and see something to hook what I do. It's easy to hook Mayor Dan to a project. As a matter of fact, if I go to Jefferson City, uh, if I'm I've done at Springfield meetings this week, all the other mayors call me Mayor Dan. It's transcended St. Charles. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, pretty neat. Lieutenant Governor calls me Mayor Dan. Now, were you when you were in Europe, what's the European uh, translation of Mayor Dan? Mayor Dan. It's Mayor Dan. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and then that was very easy for them, too, the mayor, as opposed to Mayor Borgmeier, like sure. uh, the mayor of Germany is uh, um, Matthias Connect, the Honorable Lord Mayor Honorable. It's just too much. So yeah. Mayor Dan, they were very comfortable with that. Even the French people could say it. So. Now, on your next term, if there is a next term, mm-hmm. we'll go. Lord, first honorable your, Lord, first wash your mouth out. <laughs> and then next possible if, next term. Yeah. Well, you weren't going to run for a second term. I was not focused on that. I had a pretty good life, and I decided. My grandpa used to be the U.S. Marshal and the sheriff in St. Charles, and family's always been involved. And I, after I sold my business, I thought I'll give him four good years, and I, I made the mistake of looking at it as a marketing project. And when I started looking at St. Charles' future and the way it was headed. Not that it was being run poorly, but it wasn't being run dynamically, I didn't feel. Um, our problem in St. Charles is the average person is over 50. We don't have the income generation uh, that O'Fallon and St. Somebody said, you know, St. Peter's, they're, they're, the, the people in St. Peter's can support St. Peter's. The people in O'Fallon can support St. O'Fallon. People in St. Charles are gradually not being able to support St. Charles because they don't have the economics. So when I looked at that, the model that I developed on this five-and-a-half-mile riverfront thing was tourism. That's people from out of the city paying us their money to raise our lifestyle. And a lady asked me, oddly enough, the other day, the first time I've been asking in three years, how big do you want St. Charles to get? Well, we can't get much bigger because we're landlocked. And I said, I don't want it to get bigger. I want the quality of life to get higher. Uh, well, that means we're not going to be able to afford to live here. No, that's not true. With that money coming in, we can provide better services, uh, more entertainment, that kind of thing. So uh, it's working. It really is. I'm, I'm pleased with it. Why do you think that the population of St. Charles is older than the other counties? Um, because, and I, I, I don't want to incriminate the previous administration specifically. I'm talking more of forefathers than that. Um, you know, well, let's, let, let's, St. Peter's is coming in there starting the next land. Well, let them, hell, we ain't going to use our tax dollars to support all that vacant land. Well, 
There was a couple of guys, um, trying to remember, Al Wiegand in St. Peter's way back in the day, probably 35, 40 years ago. He was kind of a visionary. And he put St. Peter's on the map, and then Tom Brown came along with uh, Irwin and some Bob Irwin and some other guys and turned it into a real deal. Same thing with Bill Hennessy out in O'Fallon. They got all the ground, and now Wentzville's getting that. So it's, And they're building things that are attracting a younger target? Absolutely. Well, it's cheaper. In other words, St. Charles has okay. matured out. People moved from North County to St. Charles because it was less expensive. Mm. Well, St. Charles became saturated, so the next step was St. Peter's and then O'Fallon. And now, I don't know where the people live in Warrington and Wentzville work, but I don't think they all drive into St. Louis. So right. the, the economic basis developed a little bit. Look at all the, the – the, I kid Len Pagano all the time about all the warehouses he's got there. He's got 10,000 people just in Amazon. Somebody said, how does he support all those apartments? There's 10,000 people in Amazon. Yeah. I've always thought regarding St. Charles City specifically, and maybe this is just like a Frenchtown thing, but it seems like people stay there longer, and then houses and things get passed down to generations. That's absolutely true. I don't know if that happens in St. Peter's, O'Fallon. Well, it's, it's a lot newer than that, for one thing. And yeah. secondly, the, the problem in St. Charles, and it is a bit of a problem, is the family's moved out, or they passed deceased or whatever, and the kids took them over, but the kids already bought in St. Peter's, so now they're renting in St. Charles. Mm. We just went through a horrendous uh, revolution on uh, short-term rentals, STRs. Uh, very popular. Sure. Um, so I, I took my staff and I said, figure how many we need. Linwood just went D1. And it's becoming popular. People with four and five kids don't want to go to a hotel. They want to stay in a home. Uh, so the city came back. We came back to the city council and said, there's 30,000 houses. We'll do 300 STRs. They said, well, we don't know about that. How about 150? So now we're taking all of those that existed and making them license and renew every year. Uh, we're going down a glide path. Well, then you get the argument, well, they're destroying our neighborhoods. You know, we have such a nice neighborhood, and now you're putting these rental places in. Well, A, most of the rental places were already there. And B, if your neighborhood was so great, why did your neighbors sell out? Mm. Um, so anyway, we pretty well got it. In the, I think we'll stop at 150 until we see the demand. Is that capped currently? I know that is a that is a hot topic, especially It's down. capped, but they're not there yet. Gotcha. I think we have okay. about 50 right now that we've registered. I think there's... There's 30 or 40 on the city council meeting next Tuesday night. There's a, and this is not an indictment or anything because this has just happened sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a house on third street uh, on the street we used to live on that advertises as it sleeps 17 people mm -hmm. <laughs> and they get 17 people in there. Yeah. If we catch them, they won't have 17. People really? In there. Oh, I don't should it's based, it's strike based that. On the, it's based upon the number of bedrooms and one car per be, per parking lot. Sure. And then there's a cap on the number of people. Too, yeah. So, yeah. But I mean, you drive, I drive to work and I see you know, cars and cars and people oh, yeah. spilling out. And and everybody that applied for the license. Well, mine's just for families and kids, and we have a Star Wars room, and we have a Frozen room. That's well and good, but somebody's having bachelorette parties and stuff like that, too. For sure. And we've got to monitor it. I, I, would, not want to, I would not want to live next to one. They're not limited at all in commercials. So I live on Main Street, so I could have, they're building 54 apartments right next to my house. Right. Fine with me, as long as they look along good and they behave themselves. Oh, yeah, you're making a decision to live in a commercial yeah. mixed-use mixed, yeah. mixed use area. And a lot of people in Frenchtown probably didn't pick it because of that, but that's our millennial magnet, too. Yes. A lot of young people are moving into Frenchtown and fixing those houses up. Yeah. And, and I would tell you what, since I've been mayor, almost four years, I've not had one complaint about an STR. And I probably get four to six to eight a month on long-term rentals. A complaint just being, hey, someone's being loud or they need to cut their grass or just anything. It. Really? No. But on the, on the on long-term rentals, yeah, they're not cutting their grass. The garbage is piling up, everything else. So. You know, when you think about it and being an insurance agent, it makes it, I guess at first it seems like it's a more risky deal to have on your street. But if you think about it from that perspective and from an insurance perspective, the homeowner is actually there more frequently or someone, a, a proxy for the homeowner, right? A cleaner or someone to pick up. The governing factor is Google. 
if you have an STR and you don't get good Google reviews, well, that's you go true out of business. too. Yeah. So they're very motivated to take player care of the yeah. places. I went through one the other day in Saint and in Frenchtown. She's uh, it's a bed and breakfast. She's up for review, up for licensing. Um, she's got seven bedrooms, and everyone is. I don't want to sound like, but it's cuter than the next. I mean, everyone is just very cool, yeah. very well done. Yeah. And she serves breakfast and stuff like that. And that's kind of what that's what people want. That's what it should be. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, on a long term rental, you may have someone that's a, a property owner that's not there for a year. Or that's two true. years, right? Yeah. So deferred maintenance happens. That's yep. where you get the grass. And exactly so right. Yeah. It makes more sense in that, you know, maybe not at first, but once you yeah. dive into it. Let's go back. I do want to talk about Frenchtown, but I do want to go back and get a little bio on you. Okay. I, I believe you're the first person I've interviewed that has their own Wikipedia page. I had. I do. You do. <laughs> I told you I didn't know what the podcast <laughs> was, and I, and I didn't even know I was on Wikipedia. You know what Wikipedia is? Yes, I yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. I do know what Wikipedia yeah. is. And I combed through it. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing bad on there. Um yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about your history. Um, it says you went to Duchenne High School. I did. So you are St. Charles through and through. Absolutely. almost. I, I would tell you that probably 100 Borgmark kids have gone through Duchenne. 100 all yeah. related my, my somehow? My daughter-in-law right now is head of the dance team. My son's very involved in the marketing effort there. Yeah, they're doing. What was Duchenne High School like, and what was St. Charles like when you were growing up? Uh, it was about uh, 8,000 people, 9,000 people. Compared to what now? 72,000. Okay. So it's grown quite a bit. Uh, it was a small town. You know, everybody knew everybody. I spoke at uh, at uh, Leroy Abington's uh, funeral wake the other day. Uh, they called him the Soul Patrol. It was him and his brother, uh, Reuben. They were both about six, eight, African-American gentlemen. Everybody loved him. I grew up with, I, I said at the funeral, there were, there were never black kids and white kids in St. Charles. There were just kids. Mm-hmm. It was that kind of an environment. Everybody liked everybody. Everybody got along. It was sleepier. If you got in trouble, the cops took you down to the station. Your dad picked you up, took you home, beat the hell out of you. And that was it. <laughs> what was was Main Street anything? I mean, I know it was there, obviously. Well, but the police was... station was right there. Okay. Uh, two of my friends. So you're pretty familiar with. Uh... Yeah, and I wasn't, <laughs> but but it was. This is typical of what happened back in the day. And I'll use his name, Jerry Princeter. Uh, he and a friend of his both had like older Plymouth DeSotos or whatever. So one of them was driving down the street, slammed his brakes on in front of the police station. The guy behind him hit him. The other guy. So he backed up. <laughs> Backed his cart and ran into the, and they just destroyed the two cars right <laughs> in front of the police station. Demolition Derby. Yeah, it was right, right in front of the police station on Main Street. Uh, and another story that I'll tell you that I think I think is cute. Um, Henry Rao was the mayor, and Frank Rao was the lumber owner guy, the lumberyard guy, and he was very powerful. And they used to meet for breakfast at Terminal Cafe, which is st- still there, which was at the end of the old bridge. And they were having coffee, and Henry got up and went about the business of the city, and Frank got up and walked out to his car, and there was a ticket on his car window. They said he saw it, and he turned around, he went back in, ordered a cup of coffee, went over the payphone, made a call, sat down, was drinking his coffee. Cop came back, took the ticket <laughs> off the window. <laughs> it was that kind of a town. That's what I was say. That's a small town. Yeah. Mayor, Mayor Volk had his grass painted green every every winter. He had zoysia grass, and they would paint the whole lawn green, so it was green all year round. That's a good you know, move. I haven't thought about that. In his family, yeah. Okay. It was, it, was a, it was kind of a Mayberry kind of place, to be honest Okay. With you. That was cool. Uh, and in... Let's see. You started your your marketing group in 1973, but before that, you fought in Vietnam. I did. Thank you. Did. What? Certainly. When did you uh, When did you leave, and what was that? I mean, we don't I, have to talk uh, a lot about it. I was drafted it, in '66,ville, and uh, you were 18 then, or I was uh, 19, I think. Okay. Yeah. Went to Fort Leonard Wood. Took my basic training. Took my secondary training at uh, at uh, Fort Sill, Oklahoma. I was in the artillery. Um, had an opportunity to go to officer candidate school, which at the time you had to extend for six months, and I was not interested in that. So I just became a gun bunny, and uh, we got rotated into Vietnam, our whole unit. Got there in uh, March of 67, I believe, yeah. And then did a year hard combat and came home. Wow. Took a hit. I bet. 
Uh, it was interesting. I actually took a hit as in a bullet. I took some shrapnel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, uh, there's four or five of us that got damaged that night and the company commander came over and said, boys, I'm putting you in for a purple heart. And we all went, man, no purple heart. We're man. Yeah. So, um, but it was, it, yeah, it was, it was serious at times. And after you came back here, was there any, any decision or was it just, you were coming back to St. Charles? This was your home. This is where you're from. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I was, uh, working for, uh. I was working at the J.W. Woolworth Company, or F.W. Woolworth Company, okay. over in Northwest Plaza. Went back to that job for just a few weeks, and then got on with Carnation Milk Company, and worked there a little bit. And uh, then uh, went in the advertising business with a guy named Jack Waterbury, who I still stay in touch with, and uh, then started my own company in 73. Yeah, tell me about going into the advertising business. I mean, did you have any education or training in that, or how did that come about? Well, I'm not going to drag my education through the dirt. I've, I've attended four colleges. Okay. I do not have a degree. I'm still a freshman at most of them. <laughs> I do attend all the class reunions. <laughs> I've been able to hold on to that part of it. Uh, I'm more of a school of hard knocks kind of guy through the years, but I learned every step of the way. I became a Dale Carnegie uh, advocate. Okay. And then uh, about 10 years into that, I wound up managing the Dale Carnegie advertising for the United States. So it was a good stepping stone for me. Been now, when you say an advocate, I mean, that sounds like an official position, not just like a fan of, of the book no, and I, of his program. You were. I lived a life. Okay. I'm positive attitude. Um, if something's negative, there's always a positive side to it. I don't allow myself to get down. Not, I know people have trouble with depression, all that kind of stuff. And I don't know that I, that I just don't, I don't participate in that. Yeah. I always look at the bright side and, uh, if there's not a bright side, then I move on. It's probably a good, yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. Rule it's like city hall. I mean, if it's not fun, I'm not going to stay there. And I probably am. I'm probably on the sl- on the sharp edge of the HR department all the time. But I like to have a good time and laugh with people, and they seem to laugh with me, and to this point, nobody's turned me in, so I guess I'm okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, so you start the advertising company. Is that what B- is that BMG? Is that what it is? It's BMG, yes. Okay. I worked my marketing group. I had no money, and I knew I could start an agency with a telephone and a desk, so I did. I was across from the post office on 5th Street above the shoe shop, Okay. and uh, that led one thing to another. And, you know, I made a good living at it, the Evelyn Wood Reading Dynamic Speed Reading. You're probably too young to even remember that. But uh, it was, yeah. It was a big deal where you could read a whole book in seven minutes and all that kind of stuff. Became a big client. And then uh, I just oh. I, I wound up with Emerson, ACF, uh, Brown and Crouppen, uh, Dobbs, a lot of big accounts, but I wouldn't make any money. And a young guy joined me in, in 2010, and opened my eyes to what I was, I was, it was very important for me to be the, the top guy. And he finally t- explained to me that you're only the top guy if your people are smarter than you. And we went, our income, we went from uh, probably seven people to 28 people. Oh, wow. In two years. And we went national and that made an, an enormous difference. Is that when the auto kind of industry started? Yeah, we, we, okay. we flipped to that in 95. And, okay. Uh, well, I'm in a 20 group. Really weird. Um, seven Jewish gentlemen had a thing called the Intermarket Agency Network. And they basically used it to travel with their kids and ride off and get together. And IRS kind of said, well, you can't just use it for that. you got to have some other people. So they reached out to some other people. They reached out to a guy named Joe Irwin in Greenville, South Carolina. He had a little account named uh, Verizon. Hmm. And then they reached out to another little guy in Seattle, uh, Cam Green, who had a little account called Microsoft. Okay. Uh, the FedEx guys in Memphis, me, I was the car guy. And it wound up with about 18 or 20 of us. We still get together. Jack's still part of the group. Uh, the guys that do Chick-fil-A are in our group. 
Really? Yeah. And it was an, a horrendous learning experience. I mean, I, I learned so much from those guys, and I guess they learned a little bit from us too. But uh, Any foresight to buy stock in any of those companies or anything at that time? I've never been that smart. <laughs> Uh, but it, the dynamics of it are just incredible. Um, so I got to experience a lot of that. Jack got to experience a lot of that, which is helping him. And uh, it was a fluke. I mean, those were all small companies. Well, the guy in Greenville, South Carolina had Wachovia, which was a huge account at the time, and then it went away, and Microsoft encompassed that. So, hmm. uh, But, yeah, there's, there's no substitute for exposing yourself to smart people. Yeah, I mean, if you're the smartest person in your organization... You're in trouble. Or if I am, at least, yeah. There, no, I, I don't think there's any risk for you, but... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you got to... And, and you know, it's a difficult thing for a young guy who's making good money and is fairly successful and has somewhat of an ego. It's hard to bring somebody else in and kind of place them above yourself and, mm. and, and many times pay them more than you pay yourself. But that's that's the road to true success. And, and I think probably in about 1995... Um, it finally dawned on me that I was someday going to be an old advertising guy working out of his basement with one account. And I thought what I needed to do is build an equity property. Um, so I started focusing on the making, building a company that could exist without me. And that was really, that was really a catapult that took us national. We had about, I think we still have 28 or 29 employees and, uh, we're in, uh, 38 States and it's been good. Yeah. I remember we're going the, to the number one Dodge dealer in the world. Do you? Yeah. And you don't do any local car companies. Uh, we took Jim yeah. Butler from he was tenth in St. Louis, and okay. we moved him up to tenth in the United States. Wow! Yeah, and the problem with that one was we became so successful, he started buying more dealerships, and they were in conflict with ours. So we parted company probably in the uh, mid two thousands. Okay. Thousands, yeah. Okay. Good guy, love him. Brad Sowers, very smart man. Jim uh, Jim uh, Butler's. Yeah, I remember Sowers. going to your office before. I guess it was right before the election, or yeah, and just being impressed and well, i mean just the size and caps and yeah it's about, yeah i mean it's a it's, it's a twenty-two thousand square feet it's a pretty good size building yeah and it's crazy uh, yeah. i mean just the things i wouldn't expect to see yeah in think, this think building off Tuesday of, and we got bleachers in some of the rooms and uh and uh they do all kinds of stuff jack has actually moved the company in a, a more of a video uh, he does a lot of programmatic advertising okay but we've got enough we took the old racquetball court and it's a green room a green screen so we were shooting about 102 commercials a month and producing wow. a satellite amount, sending them to the dealerships. And now he's doing one for a company named Braunability, which is a company that converts vans to handicap situations. Okay. He's picking that business up all over the country, waterway car washes and things like that. So he's, he's doing well. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a different company than it was. And the hardest thing for me was to watch him change it. He even changed the logo and made it lowercase <laughs> instead of uppercase, which I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know that made the company any better, but it's his, so that's fine. <laughs> Now, I want to talk about your community involvement um, along the way, because okay. it wasn't, you weren't just like, hey, I own a company, one day I'm going to be mayor, right? I mean, you've been yeah, the president was, of the chamber. You've Well, the, the original chamber back in the day when I first started uh, was a guy named Ralph Borgmeyer. And there's two Borgmeyer families, and he was kind of the sixth cousin family side. Okay. And he was the executive director of the, of the chamber when I got on it with Henry Elmendorf and all the old icons from those days. And I got exposed there, and then I started doing their annual dinner as an MC. I did that for 25 years, Citizen of the Years and all that. Met a lot of people and uh, got invited on a couple bank boards, met those people, and, and then got involved. My, I have a daughter that uh, had some difficulties at birth, and she was at United Services. So I wound up on the board there and uh, um, community living, several others. So I was on the Boys Club board for 25 years. That was one of my... That was one of my sweetheart positions. But, you know, I, I see guys that are on board of directors for 30, 40 years, and I think, 
after 25 years, it was time for me it's to move along them get yeah. new blood. Yeah. You, yeah. Just, you just run out of ideas, and then you begin to think, well, this is the way we have to do it, and that's not true. Boys Club's a rocket right now. What, if I'm not mistaken, in your office, there's a picture of you with Arnold Schwarzenegger? It's a picture of Arnold. It's a picture me. of Arnold with, with me. <laughs> it's a picture of Arnold. With backwards. He has the same picture in his office. <laughs> yeah. And people are like, why do you have a picture yeah. of him? Yeah, I so, put to Arnold with love on it. Signed Dan. Yeah, talk um, about that. I mean, well, I, I have a friend named Mark Miller who's... Uh, Who's uh, not well anymore? I think he has some dementia problems up Jeff City. But he always called me the mode man. He would always say, What mode are you in right now? Because I ran the Missouri Motorcycle Association for 10 years, so rode them, raced them, did all that. Went through a scuba diving thing, um, started jogging, and then started doing 5Ks and 10Ks and marathons. I'd done about 15 marathons, and I started doing ultra marathons. Well, I was a four pack a day smoker when I came back from Vietnam. So I had realized I had a compulsive, obsessive personality, so I tried to channel it into good things. So then I went into bodybuilding. And uh, that's when I met, I got to work out with Arnold and did that kind of stuff. As a matter of fact, my daughter, who's now 31 or 2, she was about 8 or 9. She saw a picture of me in my posing trunks and stuff. And she said, Dad, do you have a brother? <laughs> <laughs> Where's this uncle? I don't know. Yeah, it didn't hurt my feelings <laughs> hardly at all. So uh, wait, let's, I feel like you glossed over. So you started working out and you got a picture with Arnold. Now, I work out every day. I've never seen Arnold in a gym. How do you get to be in the same gym with him and get uh, a He has an him? event in Columbus, Ohio every year. It's one of the bodybuilding shows. Okay. And got invited to that. And uh, there's, I was, I wasn't just me and him. There was probably 25 or 30 people with us. But we get your picture taken with him. And uh, he actually, he was only about an inch taller than me. His arms were about the size of my whole body. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he was well put together. But I was I was a six hours a day in a gym kind of guy back Wow. That was the mode. That's the mode. Yeah. 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 Great. Okay. All right. So 2019, well, 2019, you run for mayor. When did you decide to run? When has this been brewing or? Uh, I I actually went to Sally four years earlier and said, Sally, uh, I've known Sally for 30 years. She's a nice lady. Did a good job. She's got a book out now. As you know, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not losing my, I'm losing my memory now in my mind. Right. Uh, And I went to Sally and said, Sally, I think I may run. And she'd already had one term uh, after being a state rep. And she said, I would. I would like to have another term if you just wait. Well, I had to dispose of my company and do some other stuff. So I agreed. I supported her. And then uh, when it came time for her again, she said, well, I changed my mind. I'm going to do it again. I said, oh, that, that ship has sailed. I'm, yeah. I'm going to run. And uh, I guess the difference between Sally. Sally was a good politician. She was a good human person, good people person. Uh, she had a pr- fairly decent team. But she hadn't really been any place. I mean, I was in, I was on an airplane four days a week. 52 weeks a year all over the United States. So it's been there, done that. And like Greenville, South Carolina, a lot of what we're doing in St. Charles is modeled after Greenville and other cities that I was in, Nashville, mm-hmm. places like that, Franklin, Tennessee. So I was able to bring that vision to St. Charles. And then lucky enough, uh, Larry Dabrowski, who was the city manager, uh, bought into the vision. I replaced some people who I thought were impediments to the vision and the progress. And we started rock and rolling. And it is, we're, we're at $2.2 in development right now. You did. You hit the ground running. I did. Um, and that was your... That was your plan all along, and I think I'm in that mode. You're, that's the mode right now. <laughs> I don't well, do anything for us. Passion. If you're going to do something, I hire with passion. If you've got a second grade education, you're up against a PhD, but you got passion. I'm putting you in the seat. Did I, was that off putting to people? Do you feel like that was off putting that you came in and just started going? This is what we're doing. I don't think leaders can worry about off putting. If you got a job to get done, you get it done. Uh, what's the general who said? They said, "What keeps you up at night?" And he said, "Nothing. I keep other people up at night." Yeah. Um, I know what the direction and the vision is, and as long as it's not damaging to that perspective or that progress, I'm okay with it. But there were some people that I thought weren't efficient at what we needed to do, and mm-hmm. I, I moved them out. Yeah. 
I, I love that. I mean, I've, that's, it's, it's, it's hard to do because a lot of people think you're godless or heartless or whatever, but if you got a job to do for the people, the, the people, the people put you there for a reason. They don't put you there just to hold the space. They put you there to get something done. And my job is to make their life better. Mm. This water thing we're going through right now, I don't know if we're going to cover that or not, but it's, it's a horrendous thing. Well, I wasn't planning on it. <laughs> I can tell you real quickly that uh, the EPA said, well, you're not above the maximum contamination level. And I said, so if I drink 99 glasses of water below the contamination level, then when I drink the 100th glass, am I going to get cancer? Well, that's when it changes. No, it doesn't. It changes the minute the well is infected. So I shut them down. This, the EPA didn't shut our wells down. I did. I'm already starting to build a new well field. Somebody said, well, how can you do that? Well, that's why we're doing all the development is to get the money. But if I take the well field at $40 million bucks and amortize it over 20 years, your, your water bill is going to go up like 6 bucks a month. So, mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't understand the dynamics of that. They just think, oh, my God, $40 million. Worth spending, of yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, it doesn't work that way. Well, that's interesting. No, I see you. You are drinking bottled water, but I am. <laughs> that you paid for, it. and it's not a bribe. I was just thirsty. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, actually, the the well water is better than the uh, than the river water, and we have to buy river water from St. Peter's. And I just heard, I saw in the news this week that there's some company dro- dropping 8.2 million gallons a day in the Mississippi, in the St. Wow. Louis area with contaminants. So it's a battle we'll have to fight. Yeah, I wanted to focus on. The development that you're doing, okay, um, you know, a lot of that is, um, I think, why we clicked right off the bat is because we had this kind of vision for Frenchtown, and you came, I don't want to say right up alongside it, but I mean, it it matched. I was told, don't touch Frenchtown, stay away from it. I was told that too. Well, and to be honest with you, when I was a kid, Frenchtown was a rough end of town. Sure, um, you know, Frogtown is what they Frogtown, yeah. But, but I had it on my trivia night. Why was Frenchtown called Frogtown. There's some debate about this. What well, have you got? Well, I always thought it was because the slang term for a Frenchman is a frog. That's what I've heard. Gene Glozier, who was there, said no. There was an enormous lake on the north end of St. Charles, and they drained it. And when they did, there were thousands and thousands of frogs, and that's how it got the name Frogtown. Really? Yeah. It just Which happens is, to coincide with the French with, frog yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And my family, both sides of my family started in Frenchtown. Yeah. Um, but it was a rough neighborhood, and, and, un, and unfortunately for development, there became... Good for the city, but a lot of car dealerships, fix-up shops, things like that. Mm-hmm. So the dynamics of making it cool were pretty tough. Um, we're solving that. The city stepped up and gave me a $5 million budget to acquire and move it forward. We've spent some of that. Uh, we went to Deep Ellum, Texas, to a very successful development who said, look, if you don't have parking within five minutes of your entertainment stuff, you're dead. So we started buying up some of the distressed property and turned it into parking lots. Uh, I have a meeting on December the 8th. You know Zach Smithy? Oh, yeah. Zach is helping us design Container Village, the farmer's market, a lot of stuff down there that's cool. Uh, you got Good News Brewery just opened. Now we have a person next door with a whiskey tasting place. Mm-hmm. So it's coming along very nicely. It's expensive. The prices are going up. But uh, I have a friend who lives over on Manchester Road. has a house worth $250,000. A developer came in and bought all the houses around him except for his. Well, he paid him $400,000 for his house, plus bought him another house to live in until he dies. That's the kind of dynamics that's hard for people to understand. In other words, will we pay a little bit too much for some places in Frenchtown? Yes, mm-hmm. but the tax offset, ACF is 550,000 square feet. The people are coming from Savannah, Georgia to look at it. Uh, there's a group coming out of Indianapolis to look at it. Those are millions and millions of dollars that will sustain our city forever. But you got to have somebody who knows how to do that. Mm-hmm. And with all due respect to whoever's going to run against me or whatever's going to happen, you've you got to understand the dynamics to make it work. And I think what I do is I go to the team, which is Dabrowski and Brad, Timmy, and Mike Klinghammer and those folks, and say, this is where we need to get to. This is, this is the pinpoint in the map, and this is how I see us getting there. 
I call Mike, I want him to go junk. I point, he goes and takes care of it. <laughs> and he does a damn good job. Can we do this for some of the buildings on, on Second Street? Will they, you know, there's, <laughs> there's a new attitude on, uh, on uh, landmarks about what works and what doesn't work on Second Street. So I think we need to protect the old buildings. For sure. But at the same time, there's a, we're, we, I have a meeting uh, tomorrow, as a matter of fact, on painting seven of the intersections with murals. Oh, so fantastic! Drive through Frenchtown. The street intersections will actually be painted and muraled and up. Fantastic! And We've got one up now on La Belle V. It looks good. It, it does look good, good. Yeah. and hopefully more. I know there's an issue with you know historic and brick, and I understand that. But if it's you know what, if you go down to South Main, which is very historic, they've erased. They should put back up the Coca-Cola five cent stuff. And yeah, the, the, there were murals down there, and they took them off. So yeah. You can't say that murals don't fit the area. No. And it's funny what comes back around. You're like, oh, that looks good now. We didn't yeah. like that 20 years ago, but that looks yeah, good now. Yeah, so yeah. retro is good. Um, Frenchtown, of course, is just one of the boroughs right. in the in the plan. That, was, got, a new, that was a new concept also. And yeah. Was, I'll do that with you. So it's Frenchtown, um, North Main, South North, Main. North Town. North Town. We were going to name it Newtown, but Newtown is one section. Now you got Charleston Crossing, so we call that North Town, okay. which is everything north of 370. Okay. And once you pass that, it's Frenchtown, which is appropriate. And in my recent trip to France, we have some shopkeepers that are thinking about being in Frenchtown. Oh. Yeah. Then we got North Main. And then we got Historic South Main. Well, we were looking at the branding. And I said, well, South Main, that's the only place that we describe what it's about. We need to really tell people the difference between North Main and South Main. Because I don't care what anybody says. They are not the same. No. So the new part of the brand is North Main Live. Oh. That's what it's going to be called. Yeah, I like so that. Frenchtown, North Main Live, Historic South Main. River Point, which used to be called Bangard Island, mm-hmm. and there was so much pushback from the environmentalists and, and the, uh, and the uh, other folks that we renamed it. And then South City is everything south of the family arena. So those are the six South places. of the family arena. Yeah, and okay. every, everything has its separate identity. Like the vibe in Newtown is completely different than Frenchtown is completely different than North Main on down. Mm-hmm. So people will come, and instead of going to the convention center on Wednesday and Thursday and going home, they bring their families and stay Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We're expecting... I think we're a thousand hotel rooms short right now, so and we've already got some hotel developers coming in. Uh, chicken and pickle, mm-hmm. seven hundred thousand people a year. I predict there'll be a million more people a year on Main Street in the next two years. Wow! Yeah, so that's a lot of STRs. That's a lot of hotel rooms. That's a lot of restaurants. And the restaurant, we we intentionally developed River Point ourselves instead of extending streets of St. Charles because we didn't want to cannibalize it. So. Without exception, I think there's one repeat or two repeat restaurants out of the greater St. Louis area, the rest are out of the city and yeah. out, of the, out of, the, of different parts of the country. As one of them's out of Greenville, South Carolina. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize Greenville factored into this. I knew about, uh, we had talked about Franklin, uh-huh. uh, Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't been to Greenville. I know there's a, there's a university there? Um, or no? I'm thinking of Green, obviously Greenville, Illinois is, but is there yeah, not? No, no, okay, I don't think there is. it's not a college but, town. But you've got the Red Sox minor league stadium, which they built right in the middle of town. Okay, I consulted there about 30 years ago, and I went jogging, and I was actually a little afraid for my safety. And the big guys stepped up, the Bylos and the BMWs, and and they bought basically the town, and converted it, and they took the the uh, little river that runs through it, and converted it. Their jogging trail is five miles long; it's half asphalt and half rubber. Huh. I mean, they did everything right. Their their main street on Sundays is closed, and they probably have a hundred or two hundred tents, vendor tents. Okay, it's just it's a big social thing every week. A lot of churches, a lot of that kind of stuff. Love so it. They do it right. Yeah. Okay, so you've been all over. We've talked about you know obviously from Vietnam to Europe to just your travels and mm-hmm. and business. What makes St. Charles so special? Why do you continue to call it home? And uh, the most important thing for me, and I've said this as a politician or a government servant or whatever, and as an individual, it's got to stay safe. 
I think a lot of the reasons people live in St. Charles and move to St. Charles was because it was an alternative to where they were and they felt comfortable here. And I'm not going to let that go, no matter what it takes. If I got to, every time somebody fires a, a policeman, we hire one. We are, we are at capacity and doing well there. Um, but I think there's a charm here. I think there's a spree de corps among the people. People are friendly here. Um, we went to, um, when we went to Europe, we went to five cities in 12 days or five countries in 12 days. And Larry Dabrowski's wife, when we got to Ireland, said, they're like us. And I think that's what people experience when they come to St. Charles. It's, you know, there's, that's snooty, not this, not that. Um, uh, we do have one shortfall here, and that is, I don't have a place for rich people to live. <laughs> In the city proper. In the city proper. We've got a couple brownstones on South Main. Well, but I'm talking about, <laughs> uh, have you ever been to Far Oaks over in Illinois, golf course? I have not. It was a decent golf course. It was kind of a, a dog track for a while, not many homes. And, and myself and some other people owned Stone Wolf Golf Course. So we were in competition. We had a lot of track, big tracked houses, you know, four or 500,000. So I took Dabrowski and the crew over there the other day. They have five, six, eight million dollar houses around this golf course. Mm. If you become the president of Monsanto or Boeing, you're going to live in Kirkwood or yeah, that's true. or something like that. So actually we've identified about a thousand acres that we think we can put into play. We're pretty close on about 500 of it, and 140, that's going to be a golf course. Will the golf course make money? Probably not, but it will be surrounded by custom homes. And and just to give you a part of the vision, Tom Hughes and I have been working on it, and Tom said, yeah, I'll get seven or eight builders. I said, no, Tom, these are not builders. These are not, this is not one of seven choices. I want guys who are making a lot of money to build their dream Custom, home. yeah. We did that in Lake Forest back when I was, I guess, 40. Tom Glozier bought 100 acres in the middle of St. Charles, which became Lake Forest, and that's where the doctors and the lawyers and all of us that thought we were hot shots built our mm. custom homes. Mm. And when you drive through, they don't all look the same, and they got some character. Yeah. And I think that's what makes Kirkwood and Webster and place like that good. Plus, every guy wants to – I mean, when you're 25 years old, you're always going to bring your build your own dream house on 10 acres, and then you find out how hard it is to mow 10 acres. <laughs> you just want a condo. Oh, man. Okay. And I, I, I would tell you, too, I think the millennials, they don't seem to be as interested in home ownership. No, I, I get that too. Yeah, my my daughter has a friend, and every Friday they come to her apartment and they bring a piece of sod, eighteen inches wide, thirty six inches long. They take the last piece of sod off her patio where her dog's done its business, and they put the new one down. I said, "How much is that?" She says, forty bucks a month." But that's what's. So then I'm in Tampa, I'm in the Hilton, I'm down in the lobby, and there's it's full of these people. And they have these trash valet shirts on. I said, "What's trash valet?" And they said, "Well, we pick people's trash up at their apartment door and put it in a dumpster." I said, "Get out." Wow. They said, no, that's what we do. And I said, how much is it? And they said, 30 bucks. I said, how do you make any money? She said, we have 350,000 customers because the apartment complexes so, build it into the rent for these okay. millennials because they don't own all their trash. Yeah, around. but they're adapting to what a more of like a typical homeowner lifestyle exactly. is. Yeah. Interesting. They want to pay for the services. I'll tell you, there's sometimes I want to live in a, a condo. <laughs> yeah. All in trash. That's crazy. <laughs> okay. A couple, a couple fun questions for okay. you that I wrote down here. What, um, what do you like best about your job? What's the best thing about being the mayor of St. Charles? Um, bringing the talent out of the people that work for me, seeing them do things that they didn't think they were capable of doing. From Larry Dabrowski all the way down. Larry's an excellent city manager. He's been in, in a few cities. Now, I got a feeling that's the same answer for it. That's that's a little too generic. You that would have so? been the same answer if you were at BMG. Well, probably well so. because that's I, and not that's not a slight. That's who you are, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's part yeah, of who you yeah, are. Yeah, that's what yeah. motivates me. Yeah. Of course, I want to bring them out and make them bigger and better. To fulfill my vision. So sure. Some of that well, is, sure. Some of that is it's self-fulfilling. Yeah. What's the, let me rephrase it. What's okay. the, what's the, what's the biggest perk? Wow. What's the most fun thing? I think a lot of people thought I did it for ego to be Mr. Mayor. Uh, I get a call at 319 on Saturday morning for some lady whose son had been 
caught with a DWI and she wanted me to get him out of jail. It's, so it's definitely <laughs> not about ego. Yeah. Um, personal satisfaction. I've okay. always been very goal oriented. Uh, whether whatever mode I was in, you know, when I when I scooped it, I went that. to go deeper than anybody yeah. went. When I rode straight to motorcycle, the whole deal. So, uh, yeah, personal satisfaction. If I don't have a goal or a carrot, I'm 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 I sit at home and if appointment cancels and I got an hour, I don't know what to do with myself. Yeah, so, very driven. I identify with that. It's hard. And people say, you know, you need to learn how to relax. It, eh. My 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 most horrible night would be go to a beach at six in the morning and still be there at six at night with sand on me. Just, oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm not a good relaxer. It's a lot of wives. Perfect vacation is just going sit on the beach. Uh, my like, friends, yeah. Have... While they do that, I'm out doing something else. Yeah. You know, I'll meet them for dinner. All right. What's the worst part? Um, or the least fun. It's that phone call at 3 a.m. on Saturday. No, it's more, I mean, one of the things that I owe people and I feel is a huge accomplishment Everybody just wants to talk to somebody. If you're a taxpayer and they didn't pick up your trash or your street gutter, they broke this. They just want to talk. And I'm glad to talk to those people. People call just, you with that stuff? Oh, yeah, all the time. I huh. probably get at least maybe five to ten calls every day. This didn't happen. My trash didn't get picked up. I get a compliment every three or four months. Okay. Um, but for the most part, it's unreasonable people who are just beside sure. themselves. Yeah. You know, and the, all they want to do is rip on you. And like I said, I told you a story about the $72,000 and the 72 people in the city. So mm -hmm. everybody pays me a buck. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to kill myself. So, um, but yeah, that's the frustrating part. People that I, um, being as progressive as I am, I don't like obstructionists. And there are people who sometimes get in the way. If they don't know, if they don't know any better and they get in the way, that's fine. If mm -hmm. they know better and they get in the way just to be in the, in the way, then I'm going to move them out of the way. I've always, I've always kind of thought just in my own dealings that, there's, there's two kinds of people, the people that look at it and say, well, here's why we can't do it. And the other type, which I think you are, and which I am is how do we, how do we figure out a way sure. out of it? How Absolutely. do we figure out a way to make it happen? Absolutely. Um, and that's fun. Yeah. And I think that's part of the challenging. We call it spit carrot. Yeah. We went to a cafe the other day, five of us. And I said, you know, part of the problem is it's restrictive in the city. It takes twice as long to do everything as it does a private sector. That does frustrate me. Yeah. But we said the other day, and if, usually if I want to talk to these guys, it's got to be on an agenda. It's got to be sunshine. We were at a restaurant. We didn't have a quorum or anything. And we just started spitballing about things in the city and what was coming up and what we were going to do. It was really refreshing. That's I felt fun. Like, I felt like I was in a private sector again yeah, a little bit. So, that's yeah. fun. Um, what? You got a magic wand. You can fix one thing. No butterfly effect. No repercussions, right? No ripples. It's not going to cause, you know, anything else. But what's one thing you can fix or change about St. Charles? Hmm. I would probably crime is something I'm not going to allow. I don't know that it can happen with a magic wand. You know, we have plate readers. You know what those are? What are they? Plate readers? No. Yeah, we have plate. Oh, readers. plate readers. Yeah. Okay. So if you come to St. Charles, it reads your plate. Okay. And if you got a felony warrant, we know it. So okay. you cross the bridge. So those kind of dynamic things from a standpoint of law enforcement. There's two things that'll kill kill a community. One is crime. And the other one is poor services, like the water thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I got five and a half billion going in, or two and a half billion going in in, in uh, development, and all of a sudden you can't drink the water. That mm. dog don't hunt. So, mm. so those are the kind of things that I'm really dedicated to and push for. All right, and then I think you addressed this before, and I think it. I think I know the answer, but just recap for me: four years, you're done. You want to do one term? Is it just seeing through the development, seeing through what you started? Two things. Number one. This is kind of amazing, but a lot of the development is former clients of mine. Jim Unger at ACF, 550,000 square feet. I handled our marketing for years. Bob Affholder, business guy. We were going to do some building together. He's doing, He's you know, Bob's doing the Frenchtown stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, just Jerry Scheidegger, who I've had relationships and did business with for years. So 
And people go, well, you just hang around with the rich guys. Well, the rich guys are the guys that can get it done. Mm. Uh, you know, it's, uh, with all due respect to the average working bloke like you and me probably, we don't have those millions of dollars, and it takes that kind of money up front. And when you make those people promises, to, and you know what? The rich guys don't make as much money on what they do as everybody thinks they do, but they're the facilitators. Mm -hmm. The banks are the ones that make the money mm -hmm. and the investors. Um, so those guys stepped up and said, look, this is $2 billion, Dan. That's, you know how many zeros that is? This is a lot of money. Nine? And if you leave, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm still a freshman <laughs> in college. I don't know. But they said, you know, if you leave and the next person that comes along says, well, we don't want to do this, and there's some of that out there. Um, you really need to stay and make sure that, that, that you protect what you told us you were going to do. And I went to them, and I still went to the, to the people. St. Charles is safe. We had nine protests. We did not have one broken window. Uh, did I march with them? I marched with a couple of them. I believe in the cause. I don't believe in the tactics sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, so I think staying four more years until Chief Jenks gets where he wants to be with the police department. We're, we're actually training police departments in St. Louis and other cities just because we're so far ahead of them. Wow. Um, we're building a... $33 million uh, uh, firing range with O'Fallon and sharing that with them. The relationship between me and Cuccioni and Hennessy and Pagano and all the other mayors is phenomenal. And Steve, Steve uh, Elman is in lockstep with us. So collectively, we're, it's not St. Charles on fire. The whole county's on fire. Yeah, it is, and you can you can feel it if you go to these meetings, if you listen to these people talk, if you go to the development stuff. Yeah, you can you can feel it, and and that's awesome. Um, Pagano said, Pagano said, I'll come and campaign beside you. And I said, well, I don't know about that. We'll, we'll take that a step at a time. I love the guy, though. He's a great guy. Anything you want to leave the people with? Um, and I'm not going to campaign. I, somebody said the other day, what are you going to do? And I said, you know what? If what I've done in four years isn't enough of a demonstration about what I'm capable of doing, then people can make their own choices. Um, I'm, there's a lot of people that run. They have a lot of different reasons, and I'm sure they're all very purient and good, and that's fine. Um, I'm going to do it for four more years. I'll be 80 when I'm done. And then I'm going to go start partying. It's about time. It's about time to party when you're <laughs> yeah. 80. Uh, where can we reach you at Hey Mayor Dan and all that stuff? Well, the city website, which is centralcitymo.gov. And there's a blue box that says Hey Mayor Dan, and it comes right to me. All right. If your yeah. trash doesn't get picked up, if you get a, a DUI at 3 a.m., Hey Mayor Dan. Yeah, I'll do it. Hey, yeah. thanks for joining me. I know you got a busy night. Appreciate you. I appreciate you taking me. time out. Yeah, thank you, man. Thanks. Good to be here.